Well, I don't think it was the kids that enjoyed that the most. <laughs> we have to reevaluate the maturity. No, no, no. That was fun. Thanks. Good, good, good. Uh, today we're going to look at Isaiah chapter 2 and spend a few moments thinking about some exhortations that God has given us through his faithful prophet Isaiah. Let's be standing, please, as we hear the word of God from Isaiah chapter 2, first five verses. This is what Isaiah, son of Amos, said concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as chief among the mountains. It will be raised above the hills, and all nations will stream to it. Many peoples will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us His ways, so that we may walk in His paths. The, Lord, the law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between the nations and will settle disputes for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Come, O house of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. May God bless the reading of his word. Thanks, Brian. You know, when it comes to holidays, I am pretty old school. Uh, Thanksgiving, I love. And I like to fully explore and celebrate Thanksgiving. And I don't want to talk about Christmas. I don't want to shop for Christmas. I don't want to even think about Christmas. No decorations, nothing, until Thanksgiving is over. Well, it's over, so Merry Christmas. <laughs> Guess what I spent yesterday doing? Climbing up in the top of the garage, getting all the boxes down, putting the trees up. But that's great. I'm ready. You know, now it's time. We can start thinking ahead for Christmas and getting excited about it. Uh, when I was a kid, I have to confess that Christmas had little to do with the birth of Christ, at least in my mind and my heart. Now, some reasons for that. One is the church I was a part of kind of uh, didn't really do that. They didn't really bring to mind the birth of Christ at Christmas. But really, the main reason was Christmas was when I got the big thing, you know? Uh, we only got toys on birthday and Christmas. And birthday was pretty good, but Christmas, Christmas, there was kind of no limits. You know, your parents would say, well, what do you want for Christmas? And you realize this was the time to go for the big present. This is when it might really happen. And so I would spend days thinking about it. And I grew up in a small town, and we didn't have large department stores where I could stand in the window and look at the Red Rider Range Rover 200-shot BB gun, although I did get one of those one year for Christmas, but it didn't have a compass in it, but everything else was good. I, I, did, I couldn't stand it and dreamily look at the wonderful displays, but what we did have 
was the Sears Wish Book. All right, old folks. How many of you remember the Sears Wish Book? How many of you, that was one of the best days of the year when the Sears Wish Book got to your house? Yeah. I was talking to Carol Smith after services. She said she slept with hers when she was a child. She would open it up to the page of what she wanted and sleep on that page. And said eventually she'd have the imprint of whatever she was wanting. Maybe that helped out, I guess. Anyway, but uh, I I went through and found some pictures. If I can, there we go. Uh, Doesn't that look good? You always had some little dreamy child, you know, staring up. And it just invited you in to go through those pages. Uh, Some pages that look like this. I don't know if you can see all that. But I chose this page because one Christmas I got a road construction set. I mean, it had the the dump truck, and it had the steam shovel, it had the road grader. It just was a full, complete... And when you grow up in far west Texas where everything is sand, that was wonderful. I had a great time with that. They were made out of heavy-duty metal, Tonka. Anybody remember Tonka? I think they're still around, aren't they? But it was special to get Tonka trucks. And so I remember that, uh, pages like that. But the highlight of my whole life so far has been the, the Christmas I got my Aurora road racing set. And I, I picked that out in October and counted the days down until Christmas when I got my, my road racing set and had a great time with that. Then I got a little older and uh, got a set of drums. Um, the neighbors loved it, I'm sure. <laughs> Because that was back in the day when we kept our windows up, you know, and let everybody really enjoy Tommy's progress on the drums. Now, one thing I did notice from the Wish Book, guys, that whole set of drums cost $126. Yeah, Be nice if we could just still order out of one of those old catalogs, wouldn't it? Now, when I told Gina and Jean in the office that I was going to be showing some pages from the Wish Book... They said, well, you better show some girl stuff. So there you go, all right? <laughs> and y'all can dream about those days when you looked at the dolls and, and wanted the dolls. Well, all of that to say is that uh, this is a good time of year to think big things, to, big, uh, to dream big dreams, and to think about what is the big thing that you really want? What is it that you most desire right now? And we're going to let Isaiah, who is really better than the wish book, guide our dreams and cast our dreams for us this morning. Now, a few years ago, a man named Robert Bella wrote a book called Habits of the Heart. And what he did is he went out through American society trying to take the pulse of where people were and basically asked them the question, what is the big thing? What is it that you most desire out of life? What is it that you are aiming for and drives you most of all? And he interviewed thousands of people, and then he took all of his results and put them into categories, and he found that really it broke down to two categories that most people's big dream fit into. The first category was this, personal success. The second category was to experience intense, pleasurable, personal feelings. 
Those feelings could vary, but they basically said, I want to achieve something, I want to be a success, or I want to experience some kind of deep satisfaction in my life. Now, it's interesting because as you continue reading the book and and look at the smaller categories that fit into that, some of the answers to questions were like this. What do you most want from your marriage? And the number one answer that was given was personal development. I think that's interesting. The question, what do you expect from your job? The answer was personal advancement. And then when he asked, what do you most expect from your church? The answer was personal fulfillment. Interesting, isn't it? And when you lay Isaiah next to that reading of our society, you get a little different idea. Not that we should be surprised at where we have ended up. Uh, When I was thinking about this, my mind went back to an old philosophy course took years ago where we were talking about uh, Friedrich Nietzsche. I know most of you know his work and have heard of him. He made a statement back in the 19th century looking forward to the 20th century that we now look back on. But as he looked forward to the 20th century, he said, let me tell you where we're going. In the 20th century, God will be dead. Now, that shocked people, particularly later in the 20th century. I remember about midway through, people discovered that statement and just really went ballistic. What do you mean? God is dead. Well, it wasn't that Nietzsche was saying that the God who created everything would actually die. What he was saying was this, that we will come to a point where we are so caught up in seeking our own power And as he put it, our own quest to fulfill our every desire, that we will kill God. We will kill him by simply ignoring him. Well, that shouldn't be too shocking because two centuries before Nietzsche, Blaise Pascal said, when humans are separated from God, they seek either to be God themselves or to fulfill each in every desire they might have. Well, what does Isaiah have to say about that way of living? Where the big thing has something to do with me and what I want to fulfill my life and to feel a sense of success and advancement. If we read a little past where we read verses 1 through 5 in Isaiah chapter 2, and we make it all the way down to verses 6 and 7 and 8. We get a context where Isaiah is talking to some people that were living in good times. Israel was a small little country, but it was positioned in a way that it really could prosper during the good times because it was right on the trade route between Egypt And then the big countries up to the north, Assyria, Persia, Babylonia. And so all the commerce going between these giant nations had to go through the little nation of Israel. And Israel oftentimes profited from that. And when Isaiah's talking to them, things were good. He mentions that at that point, there's just no end to the silver and gold that are flowing 
People have all kinds of access to whatever they want to buy. He mentions that horses and new chariots fill the streets. I kind of laugh. I wonder if people were as crazy about their chariots as we are about our cars. I can just see someone going by in a a brand new chariot and going back, whoa, look at that one. Look at the wheels on that one. Wow, that looks great. He said, but the problem is if we keep reading, that when things are going that well, we begin to set awfully low goals because our goals all tend to have to do with ourselves. And our eyes get lowered to where a whole life consists of looking around at what is here. And our eyes turn inward to where we really just simply think about what do I want. I remember I used to tell my kids that they wanted too much out of Christmas. I'm really more convinced these days that we really ask too little out of this time of year. Because it's a wonderful time of year to catch a better dream. To catch the dream of Isaiah. The dream of Isaiah chapter 2 verses 1 through 5. The dream of when the mountain of the Lord will be lifted up above all mountains. And that people will stream to the top of that mountain. Why? In order to feel good about themselves. In order to accomplish something for themselves. No, it says they were going to come to learn about him. To learn his ways and to walk in his paths. And he issues that great invitation. Oh, come, catch the vision. Let us come and walk in the light of the Lord. Let us lose ourselves in the biggest thing, in the thing that really does matter. That causes me to stop and say, where does that fit into my life? And am I filtering everything that happens to me and everything that people say to me? Does it go through the filter of, well, how does this make me feel? And how does this help me get on down the road? The great invitation of Isaiah, the great invitation of all the prophets, the great invitation of our Lord It's to find the big thing, the thing that really does make a difference. Oh, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Reminds me of a passage in the New Testament, words of Jesus, that are recorded several places, but in Matthew chapter 10, verse 39. Jesus says, those who find their lives... And what's he talking about finding your life? Well, he's talking about this thing, this this tendency we have to keep trying to think about my life and how my life can be better. Those who find their lives, he said, will lose it. But those who lose their life in me, those who lose their life for my sake, Those who lift up their eyes and see that there is something bigger out there. And those who, as the song we just sang, yield their stream into the vast ocean of God and take their flickering light and add it to the light of God. They are the ones who find life. They are the ones 
who experience the really big thing. Now, we can think about things like that any time of the year. You are welcome any time of the year to stop and reassess where am I going and what am I doing with my life and am I really focused on what is big. But this Christmas season is a great time to start. If maybe you realize right now, you know, I have had my head down. I've just been focused on this. I've just been focused on me. And I want to lift my eyes up to the mountain of the Lord. And I want to learn His ways. And I want to walk in His paths. Then take every opportunity through this season to be called to such a God who loves you enough that He came to this earth as a baby and lived and died in order to let you be a part of the biggest thing that ever was. Hear the words of Isaiah. Come, let's walk in the light of the Lord. Now, in just a moment, we're going to stand up and we're going to sing a song. We always do. And some of our church leaders will be around the perimeter of this room. They're usually there. You're invited to go to them and to help them pray or let them help you pray to God that this might be a season of recommitment, a season of lifting of eyes. Now, if that's not kind of your style and you don't want to do that, some of them will be back in the parlor afterwards. And if truly the Lord has spoken to you through his prophet Isaiah, and the Lord is taking your chin and lifting it up and saying, let's look up and let's look for the big thing. You can go to them there. And they will pray with you. Merry Christmas. Let's put it to good work. Let's stand and sing.